welcome to this opera preview, um, which is uh, uh, prior to the world premiere of Marnie, which will take place here on November the 18th, um, before next year going on to the New York's Met, um, the, who are co-producing it. Um, so let's uh, introduce in order the city. Nico, Nico Muley, who's the composer, Michael Mayer, who's directing, Mark Brabens, who's the new um, music director of ENO and conducting, Leslie Garrett, who is um, starring as the uh, mother-in-law of, um, of your character, who is Marnie, uh, and that's Sarah Cook-Cook, um, Nick Wright, Sasha, Sasha. Sasha Cook, sorry, um, sorry, uh, and Nick Nicholas Wright, who uh, has written the libretto, and Paul Cremo, who is the dramaturge for um, the Metropolitan Opera House, who commissioned the work. So, phew. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, to start with you, Nico, um, was this a, a, a novel you always loved and wanted to, to dramatize? So, yes, yes, yes. So, actually, oh, my God. Good evening. Um, the, the idea came from, came from Michael, who, who rang up and said, I think Marnie would be a fabulous opera. And of course, within three seconds on the phone, I said, you're absolutely right, it would be fabulous. And I'd read um, a bunch of Winston Graham, obviously Poldark, um, but had, had at, at some point in my life read Marnie and was obsessed with it. It's such a bizarre story. Um, and of course, you know, I, I knew it best from the film, um, but within, I mean, really within seconds, we were like, we, this, is, this is the best idea ever. Yeah. And of course, this, this, this opera brings you back to ENO and the Met because Two Boys was premiered here again. So, what, what, what's, what's, what's the attraction of working with ENO and the Met um, on a new opera? Um, it's there, there, there are too many things to say in, in such a short period of time. But I mean, there are two wonderful houses, um, two wonderful companies, and um, for me, having having the um, I would I would say the the, the, stru the structure of the ENO is is very, very good for making new work. Um, the Met is amazing, but it, the, just the way that their season works is, you know, you tech in the summer, and it's, it's, it's a, a very complicated um, process. Whereas here, um, they're incredibly generous towards new pieces. Um, the, the full sort of force of the company um, feels behind it, as, as it was then and as, as it is now. Um, so, for, so for me, it's an absolute luxury um, to, have that, to have that partnership. Um, yes, Michael, as, as, a, as a director at the Met, and you've, you've done uh, Rigoletto there, of course you have to have the, they have a bizarre way of working in, at the, at the Met. It's really weird. Where you have to basically tech the entire show before you've directed it. That's correct, <laughs> yeah. So that was a real um, eye-opener for me. I'm, I'm used to doing theater where you start in a rehearsal room and you stage it and you figure it out all together and then you go into the theater and you very carefully tech and you know, you do all the lighting and the moves of the set all together, based on all the work that you've discovered together in the room. And so, uh, at the Met, uh, it was my first opera, and it was May, and we had five days to tech the opera. I hadn't had a single. We didn't start rehearsals till October, so it was very strange. And we had these. What are they? The light walkers. They're about five or six people, just humans with, without any particular gift for anything, who are there to just like, they, they, they can stand and they can walk, which is great. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and that, yes, well, that's true, you know. Uh, I, and so you sort of say, well, I think she's gonna come in here and he's gonna 
go over there. And so the lighting designer starts aiming the lights over there. And I'm like, I really hope this works when I actually have singers. <laughs> and you know, fortunately, it did. And, and there's a little bit of time to, to make adjustments. But here, as Nico's saying, it's extraordinary because it's, we're, we're building it the same way that you would, um, that you would do a, a Broadway show, for instance. We're all in rehearsals, and the designers are there, and we're making it together. And starting on Monday, um, after the, the Zitz probe, we're on stage and starting to create, um, create the visual language of it. And it feels much more organic. And it's a great, great way to make something brand new. And you'll all, you all come down from West Hampstead today, which is where the rehearsal rooms are. Yes. Um, and uh, Martin, I gather there was an orchestral run earlier on this week. Yes, good evening. We've had four orchestral read-throughs, four three-hour sessions. Which is uh, crazy. It's so good. It's very nice. It's very nice. That's what we do in this, yeah. you know, over here. Um, we like to rehearse. We like to please the composers that we have with us. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a very, very wonderful moment when the cast, I invited them to the final read-through with the orchestra, so they got released from Michael's clutches for a few hours and came and heard the orchestra. But they don't because they hold that all the for the past three weeks they've heard a piano playing the orchestra part, and I have. To, it was quite nice, wasn't it? Yeah. It so <laughs> it was. A, it was a great experience. Really. Yeah. That's yeah. Scary. And presumably that's also the first time you've heard it with your with your band. Yeah. I mean, you've but heard, you know, I can, I know, you can know I can, I look at what Nick, Nico wrote, and thirty years later, I kind of understand <laughs> what it's going to sound like, by and large. And of course, you've often worked with contemporary, with new pieces. What's the special responsibility of a conductor with a new piece? Looking up, no, no, he's my responsibility. Right. <laughs> I, my main aim when I conduct anything is to serve the composer. Yeah. I'm a servant of Nico Muli. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, very luckily, he treats me very well. So. But just to add to that, I mean, the, the, the reality of it is, is that this is a sort of nine-way collaboration yeah. between, between me, this thing I wrote, which, by the way, are two different, two different items, um, because you know, the, 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 what I've written is a, is, a, is a text that everyone else is an interpreter of, and I'm also there as the author of it, but I can make changes, and the changes that we do make and the, and the, and the subtleties that we tease out Martin, as the as the steward of this thing, um, is is absolutely um, a necessary component in, in in making a new work happen. So we can That's always going to say a necessary evil. Then. Yeah, exactly. No, no. It's it it's it it's it it is as I say a, a very multi yeah. multi pointed star. It's been a wonderful collaboration. We've really worked as a team, and that's that's when the best work gets done. And the collaboration, of course, also includes Nikki Wright over there, who uh, is our, your, the librettist. You've worked on new operas before. Yeah, I've written, uh, I've written two operas. One was uh, an opera based on The Little Prince by Saint-Exupéry, which was done at Houston originally and then a lot of other places. And then an opera for television with Jonathan Dove. But I've never written an opera on this scale before. This is quite... I've never seen the door of the rehearsal room open and... 60 chorus members walk in. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it, it's a, and of course this is a vast organisation too. I mean, incredibly well equipped and well staffed, and I think that's a, a completely new one on me. 
And of course, you just last week had a new play open mm -hmm. as well in, yeah. in London at Hampstead Theatre, The Slaves of Solitude. So you've been juggling two sets of rehearsal rooms. Yes, it's been very, it's been very interesting. I was thinking about the difference watching the, we ran act two today, which I hadn't seen run before. And uh, I thought, well, what is the difference? The difference is, is in the play, you, you write the words people say, but you're also all the time trying to convey the subtext, which is kind of hidden motives and thoughts and moods and atmosphere that go with just the words people say. But with opera, that is the music. The subtext is the music. The music provides that. The words you write are just as kind of the top layer. They're a very distilled top and, layer. And the, and the bottom layer, because the, the words are the sort of scaffolding on which you know, you, you build you build from from a variety of directions, yeah. and one of the great things about about um, Nick's libretto is that, from sort of the first draft, I, you can sort of hold it a certain distance away from your face and 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 see this is very settable text. It's organized into the the, the sections make sense, the the length of line makes sense, the relationship of the line to the line before it. It's so so different in when it's sung because of course it takes forever to sing a, sing a line of of but libretto you know, text. People say. Oh, do you write the words first, or, or do they write the music first? With the idea that Nico would write a whole lot of music, and then I'd, <laughs> and then I'd listen to it, and I'd... <laughs> <laughs> and that, but of course, that's without the... But because the music is the drama, you know, you have to have the story and the words, and the words first. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's and so we worked together for a long time before... I actually even wrote any libretto at all, with, along with Nico and with Michael and with Paul, who's sitting next to me, on the whole structure of the thing, because the structure, the organization of it is fantastically important. Before you even start writing, yeah. you get the, the, the yeah. form there. And Paul, uh, you just m mentioned, Paul, of course, you commissioned uh, and, and Nick. Uh, I interviewed Nick last week about his play, and we're talking about this opera, and he said that the commission came from you. So what's your role in putting the team together? I run a program, the New Works program at the Met, so under my purview is developing new pieces. So we worked with Luca on Two Boys, and when this, this idea came up, we just jumped at the chance. And then somebody's got to kind of help steer the ship and provide the creative team with what they need. Um, and the first thing that was needed was a wonderful writer, and that was a real discussion and, that we had, and Nick seemed like the perfect candidate, and that worked out well. And then I just sat back and let them do what they would. <laughs> but you're there as a sort of overall, I mean, you're here for the rehearsals, you, you, you steer the process as well. Keeping a watch and helping where I can. Paul has been absurdly modest, actually. <laughs> I mean, really absurdly. He has the, most, has the most incredible eye for detail, and you learn all about it. For me, and I, I, I hope all, all of you agree, um, it's very easy in the rehearsal room to, to have your nose so deep in the, in the details. And even, even today, you know, I, I, I sort of realized that I, I, had been, I had been looking at a, an oboe articulation for about 20 minutes and sort of, you know, looking into the middle distance with, with great anxiety. And then, of course, you know, then, then what, what can sort of snap one out of that is if Paul says, you know, let's look at this all, let, let's look at this scene, let's look at this line, do we need... Do we need this? Do we need that? It's, and it's great to have someone who's who's in it, but not but not fully um, emotionally <laughs> responsible for everything. <laughs> Presumably, when you were worried about that oboe, Martin's your man. But meanwhile, of course, last but not least, the singers. Um, we have uh, 
Sasha, originating a, a big role like this, you're the first person to ever sing this. How, is, is that intimidating? Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, it's, it's an incredible gift, actually. And I feel so lucky with this group because there's not a bad, bad egg in the bunch. Um, uh, and it was a actually funny turn of events because I was meant to be doing a different show somewhere and they pulled it. And they said, well, this, this thing has come along in London. Do you want, and well, I was like, well, really? And, I, and, I, and honestly, the chance to work with Nico sold it for me um, because I'm such a fan of his work. And you'll see this opera is truly, truly remarkable. There's so many bad new pieces. And, and I won't say which ones I've done, but I, I've been lucky. I mean, I've, I'm only 10 years into this career, but I've done a lot of new music. And often you don't get great text and great music. And in this case, we have both. And so it's a very happy marriage and it kind of creates this um, exponential effect where the layers get deeper, the emotion gets richer, the relationships. I mean, I, I can just go on and on about that. So it's been a wonderful challenge. It is a lot of me. So hopefully you like me. I'm like, because it's like I'm on stage the whole time. And I think it sets a record because this has 15 costume changes. 15, a lot of them are on stage in the wings. Some of them are on stage. So kind of behind a, behind a screen. So it's, yeah, no, no, um, but it's intense. It's, but it's a wonderful acting challenge. So, so, so those are the two great, and, and also I told Nico when I got the score, I was doing another new piece, another new opera about Steve Jobs and Santa Fe Opera. And, and so it was kind of a lot for my brain to, to digest Nico Muley and other composers. And um, I jumped into it and I was amazed how lyrical it is and singable. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and the, it's a long thing, but I don't feel tired doing it which I think is a total, it speaks to, to Nico. And, and anyway, so I, I'm blabbering on and on and on, but I'm thrilled to be here. And we're very lucky to have you here right now because you, 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 you're, you're not feeling too well. I'm a little um, under the weather, so. <laughs> uh, but what's rather marvelous, I heard, was that at your rehearsal today, you, you had the, the understudy effectively singing for you. I know, I wish I had done that sooner. <laughs> she's right there, she's fabulous. Um, and she had done the workshop, I She heard. had done the workshop, and she's actually one of my Marnettes. I have these sort of, my kind of former personalities, former shadow women, that it, and it was an ingenious thing that, that they thought to create, which is sort of a small ensemble of women that sing throughout the show in different moments. And that you'll see, I mean, they're, they're, they're very big roles in a way because of their, their acting um, performances. But um, she also is my cover. So it's kind of a perfect. Yeah. It's challenging for the designers watching today because it looked like a real idea. It looked like this big concept. Like, and I'm not really singing. <laughs> Leslie, of course, you are the veteran of the of this company. You've... <laughs> I, I just I just mean I mean of ENO in particular. Having... Stop digging the hole. <laughs> it's getting bigger. <laughs> You've worked here since 1986, I think. 84. 84. Mm, that was my wow. first. Um, and of course, you are also the queen of new music as well. You also regularly sing new new opera. Yes, uh, in the last. Five years, I've done several new pieces, and uh, I've got three more in the pipeline. So I'm very, very anxious and enthusiastic uh, about the the possibility of taking opera into into the 21st century and beyond. I think we're all of a mind that it has to 
not be seen as a museum piece. I've just been actually very involved with the V&A, with their wonderful new exhibition, which I'd recommend you all go to, uh, Opera, Passion, Power and Politics. Uh, and wonderful as that exhibition is, and absolutely, it's brilliant the way it charts the history of opera right up to the present day. I passionately do not want opera to be seen as a museum piece. Uh, so we're all really committed to taking it on, to dealing with new subjects, to dealing with today's society, to um, writing roles for older, fabulously glamorous sopranos. <laughs> because, let's face it, older women rule the world, so come on, let's, let's have uh, ourselves represented in opera, because we, we ha opera has to, uh, has to be a contemporary force. It has to represent contemporary society. We have to have operas that write about issues of today, the LGBT community, uh, the... the, the Actually, I think our opera, Marnie, is fantastically appropriate because part of, uh, of the subject matter is about a man who wants to have uh, a sexual relationship with a woman who doesn't want that relationship. Uh, and that's something that's very much in the news at the he's moment. A he's a powerful man. He's more powerful than, 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 than Marnie is, uh, Mark, my son. Um, in the film, he was played by... Um, um, Sean, Connery. Sean Connery, how could I forget, by Sean Connery. <laughs> I, I actually am not a fan of the film because um, uh, Mr Hitchcock in his wisdom killed my character off completely. <laughs> so I watched the film waiting for myself to appear and I never did and I thought, huh, <laughs> but uh, fortunately um, our great writers have um, gone back to the, to the book which is so much better. But I wanted to echo what Sasha said about the collaboration between Nico and Nick uh, because in the history of opera you find that the most successful operas are the ones that have the great playwrights working alongside the composer so you have for instance Mozart and da Ponte or Strauss and Hofmannsthal and here you know we have Nico and Nick and uh, because they are so much as as one with the writing this is a very very powerful piece that will not fail to Im to captivate and impress and well, just take away, just blow you away, uh, because it is. It, it was a strong book to start with, and I, I think it's an even stronger opera. So I, I recommend you come and see this veteran <laughs> who plays um, Sean Connery's mother. <laughs> Michael, you've um, directed m many new musicals in your in your day. Um, how different is it doing a new musical to doing a new opera? Um. There are a lot of, I think there are more similarities than differences, but um, with the opera, it's, it, it, in a musical there's usually, you know, a book scene and, you know, conventional wisdom says that when the scene reaches um, an emotional point where talking is no longer um, enough to communicate the emotion that the character feels, then they launch into song, right? That's how most, you know, classic musicals work. But when everything is sung, um, then it's all about what's happening in the music. And I'm, this is something that I'm in the process of still learning. And Martin looks at this score, and if you see it, it's like, I don't know if you've seen these scores before, but it's like, I don't know, it's like 30 staves, and it's like, that's just, you know, four measures, and they turn the page. All these instruments, they do all these different things. Um, and I only hear the piano sort of 
chomping away, and it ends up sounding a little bit like um, silent movie music, right? So it starts to feel more melodramatic than it actually is. So it was really revelatory to hear the orchestra because there's um, unbelievable subtlety and delicacy, and then these very big, um, dramatic and um, cinematic kind of forces that happen. So I, it really is the music, it's what Nico said, the, the book, the, the, the libretto is the structure, this very firm structure, but um, the music is where all of the complexity, all of the subtext, all of the, um, this other narrative that is playing concurrently with the story that you're actually watching. So many things are happening at once, and that doesn't generally happen with musicals. Although I, what I do love is that you're, you're the sort of king of the rock musical, um, and... I know, that's so <laughs> random, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> uh, in fact, I, <laughs> you directed what I think is probably the greatest rock musical of, uh, of, of I've ever seen, American Idiot. What a Thank staging you. that was. Thank you. And that doesn't have um, book scenes as That was such. as close as I've... Weirdly, that's as close as I'd come to doing an opera, and it was Green Day, you know, it was... <laughs> Um, but I, I learned from that to like to try to figure out how to shape story in terms of physical staging while there's um, a lyric happening that um, often repeats and repeats, and how do you find nuance inside that? So that's the closest I've come before. Yeah, and, and then also most recently uh, you directed in London, Funny Girl, which is a totally different sort of old-fashioned musical. Yes with a stellar, a stellar performance. Right, at the Sheridan Smith, yeah, she was amazing. Um, which is sort of, I mean, a ca title character, title mm -hmm. character again, so uh, complex woman. Definitely, I'm very, like, like, as, you know, you're, you know, like prototypical gay man, I'm obsessed with these powerful women, <laughs> right, who have all of this, like, all these, like, different forces fighting yes. to come out, I'm just, like, as the actress, I really relate to, <laughs> to the character. <laughs> um, th but talking about character, um, Sasha, um, so, so you've, you've, not, you've not obviously, you've done new role, new operas before, you've done new roles before. What's special about Marnie? Well, I think, how many of you read the book, have read the book? Any of you? Oh. Well, I encourage you because it's really fun and a page turner. Um, she's just so complex. She has so many contradictions, you know, and it's there's nothing is 100% clear. And I've talked to Nick about a couple moments in the opera because, th and that's really fun that they can go, they can be played in different ways because she always has a different agenda. In a way, she's a victim, but she's also always in charge. She's running from people, but she's stealing from them. So she's very much kind of leading her own path. Um, she's a very independent woman. I mean, I think the fascination with the book and then the movie came from the psychological component. You know, it was sort of that time where we're fascinated with the idea of a woman who wasn't just going home to cook dinner for everyone. You know, she had this other life. She had these multiple personalities in a way. Um, so that whole can of worms. I mean, there's a lot to explore. And what I love is that a lot of it kind of comes spontaneously because I really believe in trusting in the moment. So a lot of, I mean, I've gotten feelings from the score, from my colleagues, from the text, of course. But that's what's wonderful about Marnie in particular is that it's not, oh, Mimi feels this right now, you know, or Carmen's playing this right now. 
it's it's a lot of things at once, you know. Even her relationship with Mark at the end of the opera, I don't want to give anything away, and I and I won't because it's not really absolute, which is a wonderful feel, a, a wonderful thing to play on stage, you know. And that each audience member will have their own emotional experience, which I'm a big believer in. You know, it was a revelation to me the first time I thought they don't know what I'm thinking, mm -hmm. but they'll be feeling something as long as I'm feeling something. So I can feel anything as long as it's something because some singers park and bark you know it's just a sound machine it's you know it's all vowel you know and this piece is not that at all but you know we can't do that in this we can't so it's you know the drama first you know and sometimes that's not the case in opera you know i have to admit i go sometimes i'm bored out of my mind because it's about this cadenza or this high note and I just tune out. I'm not there anymore because it doesn't come from meaning. You know, I think the best opera does, obviously. And then we cry, right? Le Leslie watched the movie, obviously, and found her part missing. You, did you watch, you must watch the movie too for this. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's a wonderful person also to think of Tippi Hedren sort of, she, and as Michael said, she does it so well because she probably was terrified during the filming because she had this really conflicted relationship with Hitchcock, who was in moments abusive. Um, the, um, my colleague, Dan O'Kulich, who's playing my love, uh, my, well, my forced husband, sent me this article where Harvey Weinstein and, and uh, Hitchcock were the two photos at the top of the article. So um, th there's, she, she, anyway, Tippi Hedren's wonderful, you know. Yeah. But I also had to put the film out of my mind, right. just as we sort of mentioned. I'm talking of the film. Was the film a big influence? You said you went back to the novel. Was it a big influence on you? I mean, with with something like this, you have to you have to. I don't want to say discard, but you have to stop caring about it because it's the thing that everyone wants to know about. How much is it like the film? Is it like the film? Does it look like the film? Was it? Is it the film? Is it? Did you do the same thing in the film? So, to sort of preempt all that. Um, I really just buried myself in the book and then kind of waited for, for Nick to have the, to, to Nick to sort of have the moment. Um, I mean, for me just personally, you know, Hitchcock of course is, is an, um, what's the word? There, there are ways to watch the films where you can completely discard narrative and just focus on what people are wearing or just focus on like the cinematography of the framing, the framing and just, just the craft of it. So in a sense, if there are two specters from the movie that, I, that I've taken, um, it's, the, it's the, the relationship of him to Tippi Hedren, which I think is really interesting and horrifying. And, and then this idea that a detail can really make or break the the, the storytelling, and that's that's something that I think you know, with um, as as an artist, but as a, as a sort of younger one, um, that's something that I've I've always aspired to, to, you know, to be able to be able to to coax out that level of. Um, you know, the, the, the same feeling I had when I was like 15 years old and you watch The Birds and you realize that it's actually a movie about coats. Like it's literally a movie about, <laughs> it really should just be called Coats. It's like when you, when you go to a remote island, right, if you go to like Sky or whatever, do you bring 15 coats? It's, it's so fabulous. Really, seriously, just watch it on Fast Forward and count the, count the costume changes. Well, like, Monty has six Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Like what kind of steamer trunk do you even have? I know. Martin, I want to talk about the complexity of the music. Um, uh, how, how big is your, is it, is it conventional orchestra size? Yeah, it's fairly, it's our full forces. So full yeah, force, it's got yes. a bit of everything and quite a lot of percussion, uh, piano, harp. Uh, and full chorus as well? Yeah, full chorus and qu quite a lot of, how many are in the cast? Oh, 11 or 12, yeah, and the four, four 
shadow manis that yes. we've christened the manettes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, and the dancers, yeah. I mean, the one thing that's... I was just trying to work out whether this was an accurate statement, but it would be very interesting to know how much of any opera, actually, isn't sung. Right. That is purely orchestral. Right. And in this one, as we've just been discussing, and Michael says he's, he's finding his way to deal with this part of the... You know, if you, I can imagine you, as, if you direct plays, someone's always speaking, mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah. With an opera, it's very, very different. And the music does... As, the pure music tells... I don't know what percentage of the story, different for every member of the audience. But every scene, and there are 20 scenes or so. How many have we cut today? No, there are, there are about 20 scenes. Um, you think I'm joking. Um, the, every scene has its own color. Every scene has its own Every Some of the characters have very clear personalities in the orchestra mm -hmm. pit. Sasha, Marnie is the oboe. Mark, her husband and abuser, is the trombone. Um, the piccolo. Leslie's the piccolo. <laughs> and the, the, the trumpet also plays a big part, and the viola is actually uh, Marnie's mother. Not, there's another, there are two, there mothers, two mothers in this show. Yeah. So the orchestra plays... <laughs> Once a diva, always a diva. <laughs> uh, the, the orchestra play a huge part in this production. And I think, I'm right in saying, aren't I? I mean, they really do force the drama forward. They, they almost tell you what, tell the audience what to be feeling and thinking as much as the, as much as the singing, actually. I, I should also say, I mean, the, the, the music is, it's by, by far the most complicated thing I've ever written. Um, but also there are moments that are very still and very simple and very, it's just sort of, you know, just the strings doing, the, singing with one baritone. Um, but one of the things I, I want to say is this sort of general thing, which is that if you're going to write a grand opera, I feel like it should really be a grand opera. And one of the things that I find so fantastic about London is that, of course, you have two houses, which until recently we had in New York. But I think it's really, really key that that when you go to one, one of these houses in the house itself, obviously there's ample room for doing things off venues and smaller, much more, uh, much more if efficient is the wrong word, but tighter things. If you go to the Grand Opera, you need to see the orchestra being used as a dramatic partner. And you need to see the chorus being used as a dramatic partner to, to the lead. So it's really not just, oh my God, she sang that high C so beautifully. But it, that there's this, there's a sense that all of the things that make something like, a, a company like E&O great are all being deployed um, simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, opera is such a collaborative art form, isn't it? I mean, as is musical theatre, uh, Michael. Um, and Paul, um, coming from New York and, and, and the Met, I mean, that's a massive uh, operation. I mean, compared to, 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 to even here, it's, it's massive. Well, we have usually about 26 operas in a season from September to May, and they're just constantly sort of rotating, and one goes out and one comes in, and they keep everybody very busy as an opera factory. Uh, and most of the work that we present is traditional repertoire. So that's what's exciting for me. I'm in kind of a little corner of the, you know, like a, I describe it as a flea on the butt of a big elephant. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of working on these new pieces and then you go through many stages. It takes a long time to develop them and workshops and revise and get them to the point where they're ready to go. And 
when they do, it's exciting to be able to present our audiences with new feats that they're, I think, we're going to see for the first time and not using some of the same techniques maybe that the older operas are using. Um, and they're dealing with stories in a different way. And Marnie, the novel, is weirdly, um, when I first read it, when, when the gentleman said they were interested in doing it, I was really surprised because she's a character who, due to various reasons, doesn't really have a connection to her real feelings. She's kind of running from her feelings and her emotional life. And I thought, how are they going to externalize and, and, and convey this sort of tension between what she says and what she really feels deep down? But the, the amazing thing that Nick was able to do, for instance, was to find ways to convey her internal thoughts through sort of an, an, an internal monologue that where she expresses her fears or her anger. And sometimes just the fact that she's expressing anger suggests to you that there's something going on that you're interested too. So, and then of course the, the orchestral music adds a huge part to that in expressing subterranean layers of the And Ian, of course, have been a regular partner for you, haven't they? I mean, yes. uh, such a graha went from uh, here. Butterfly, yeah. such a wonderful work that we've done together. So we're really, uh, it's a great honor to work with a wonderful organization. And as you say, you said it, uh, and Michael said it, it's set up very well here to do a new piece. And it gives the opera a great launch for them when it comes to New York. And this audience is the first to see it, which is, aren't they the lucky ones? Um, shall we throw up some questions to, from the audience? I'll, I'll repeat the question so we can, everybody can hear it. Who wants to go first? Nobody ever wants to go first. Don't be shy. <laughs> How do, uh, singers, how do you react to with a completely new opera and putting on uh, something that oh, you initially only have the idea of what uh, needs to be done, where you're trying to think about what the composer's done, but you've never actually seen it, and no one's ever seen it before? Um. As uh, Sasha was <coughs> saying, it's the most wonderful opportunity because no one can tell you what you should be doing. You, you're in, well, the director tries. Sorry. No, nobody can tell you what to think. Uh, nobody can, nobody's done it before, so you don't have anybody to copy or anybody to be in influenced by. And that is a wonderful, wonderful freedom. Um, and especially when it's so well written, um, the, uh, the the possibility for exploration is 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 vast. Uh, and when you have a, a wonderful book to uh, to read to uh, to fill in your backstory, I think for all artists that's absolutely vital that you have the chance to work out why your characters as he or she is, um, because you only see that character for a, a short space of their life and you, you need to realise that life started many years before and the place they've come to is as a result of all the experiences they've had. Um, and my, my character um, in this piece is unlike anything I've ever played in my life before. She's horrible. She's really horrible. She, so I've had to find my inner, inner Cruella, you know. Um, <laughs> 
she's she is uh, an abuser i would say uh, a, a quite this is a theme that runs right through the piece uh, in different ways um, and and who knows why she's like that I have to invent that for myself so uh, in answer to your question to uh, when, when we're trying to create these characters uh, these are all the techniques that we employ we gather as much information as we can uh, and we work out where our our characters came from and um, and why they've got to the place that you're witnessing on that particular day yeah, I, I echo everything Leslie said. It's this, there's a greater sense of responsibility somehow. You know, it feels that the moment is just so um, palpable. You know, that feeling, that elect electric feeling when you're going on stage and you know this is the first time these notes are being witnessed and heard. And that sort of energy in the room, it's really hard to describe because you just, you live it and, and that's why you want to experience it again. And I, you know, like if I'm sitting down to find a Schubert song, it's hard not to hear some of the wonderful recordings I know. Do you know? Or, you know, this note, which is sustained longer, or it's performance practice, or Maria Callas did blah, blah, blah. But in this case, you know, you're finding the music. And, I, and I've heard a lot of con conductors say, and directors say, everything's in the score, everything's in the score, everything's in the score. And to some extent, the score is incredibly rich. If you look at a Mozart, you know, opera score, you could look for, for days and weeks and months. But there's a lot that's not in the score. And we get to sort of find that, you know, like when I first met Martin and I said, I really think the tempo wants to be this because of what my voice wants and what my impression of the emotional landscape is. What a wonderful, wonderful, fabulous, you know, responsibility to have to find that music, you know, what, what isn't on the page, you know, what happens in between the notes. We get to sort of find that path so it's a really incredible feeling. And that's, I don't know if that answers the question. I'm so impressed we've got Mozart in the room with us, which is a bit of a problem. <laughs> this is really a follow-up question. At what point did you know who the cast were and were you writing for those voices at all? Sure. Um, cast, casting an opera is so crazy because it, you, you start... Um, very, very early, um, much, much earlier than you might know. I mean, you know, I started writing this thing in 2014, and I mean, it's, it's totally crazy. Um, the, there are two different casts in New York and here. Um, basically, you, you work with the casting departments of both houses um, to figure out who the, who the kind of right, the, you, you sort of find a stable of people who would be right for, for you know, character X, Y, or Z, and then you you see if they're available. It's a very complicated process. It really, it really is not as easy as just picking up the phone and being like, hey, hey, are you free? And so um, what for me is, is um, how, to, how to put this? So basically, this is, this is a sort of um, casting uh, puzzle between the two houses. Um, and as Paul was saying, that the Met is crazy because they, they cast like nine years in advance. Like they knew, they know who's going to be Brunhilde when, you know, in, after after the great you know water wars of 2032 or whatever, um, <laughs> you know they do. <laughs> I think it, I think it might be you by the way. <laughs> so, um, but putting together a cast is incredibly complicated. But one of the luxuries that we had here was a sing through um, so with some members of the cast. And while it, I didn't specifically tailor things for specific people, but in in my mind, 
a beautifully tailored garment doesn't necessarily have to be made on your specific body. It's something that you, that you can find and then you figure out how to alter it for yourself or you can get the designer to th this, that, and the other thing. So that, that feels more like what it is. I mean, I, I, definitely, I definitely wrote, wrote your part, Leslie, on, on you. Um, but again, you know, if a sing... But, but, with, but with Sasha, you know, it, it's, it, it's an insane amount of music. I mean, it's, it really is hours of singing. Um, I'm more than happy to help tailor the garment um, to, the specific, to the specific individual. And I think this is something that a lot of composers are so freaked out about. Um, but I, I find it actually really fun to, to figure out together how... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I, you know, I, there's nothing to be precious about. But, but you know, she, she can and has said, oh, I think, you know, I could probably float this note here if you change, you know, and, and again, for me, it's, it's incredibly useful um, to have a working relationship with the cast, not necessarily when you're writing, although that's nice, but in the room, um, which and is yet, why I'm... And yet I've not wanted to change a note. I mean, it's amazing. There are thousands probably, and I've maybe asked about two. That, for me, is already a record because usually you're like oh this doesn't work and how do I tell the composer that you can't have a mezzo sing a thousand A's on one page and and it's always an awkward conversation because you don't want to offend their creative process with Nico I was like he and he's the most generous colleague he's like what do you want to change tell me what you want to change I'll change anything I'll change anything I'm like I don't want to change anything it's so well written it's so I'm kind of trying to find something to change well I think if you but if you trust as a, as a composer um, not now we're speaking completely separately from the artistic, but if, if you if you trust your ability to be a good sort of seamstress and and make and make um, idiomatic decisions for the body that's going to have to actually you know inhabit this garment, um, you, I, I find myself very willing to make alterations and, and and I'm really interested in it just being idiomatic and and um, not not one of those things that you that you dread that scene it's like oh my god you know you're waiting waiting the wings to go on and, and but Nico, uh, Nico you're being very modest and I, I want to just echo what Sasha said because I kind of I really insisted on coming to sing for you because I just really wanted you to know what I sounded like so you were not under any well, illusions I know what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> no in the room though in the room and and who I kind of you know who I am as a person and and it could it could not have been better written for me but what Nico has done has taken me into a realm I've never visited before. He heard this pot potential, which I didn't know was there, uh, for me to be able to play this really nasty person. I've never, never done nasty people. Uh, and I, that's so exciting for, for, for both of us, isn't it? For all of us. No, no, no. And, and Sasha's right. None of us want, well, I certainly didn't want to change a single note. Yeah. It's, it's just it's you know you've, you've written for us perfectly and, he, and he's written a couple operas so that helps you know he's learned a lot and you're a great word setter you know she's right you know <laughs> <laughs> you will hear the words <laughs> how long ago were they cast uh, michael it was well we knew leslie was definitely going to do this because when we did the sing through last december you came to hear it yeah um and Sasha, when did we? Like a year and a half ago. Yeah, right. Over a year. So you have a long time with the music to to get it into your bones, if you. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> I have I have a really hard time because a lot of singers, you know, sing six roles and they go all over the world singing six roles, and I have the opposite issue. It's always like thirty new works a season, you know. So I'm like, I'm like even now I'm working on. Marnie, but I'm warming up to Berlioz, you know, so it's like, it's always that, I'm like learning something on top of each other. I think of yeah. like, 
an oven where you have to cook. It's like Thanksgiving, well, in Thanksgiving where you have to cook 20 dishes in one oven. Yeah. So you're like, okay, that needs two months, that needs one week, that needs, that's and you're a good, That's a good analogy. It's kind of, that's a really yeah. good analogy, yeah. How long has this process been? How long have we been in rehearsal for? It's a month. This is the end of our fourth week. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, so, so not, not that long, because it's two, it's two weeks to go. It seems really long to me. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's worked the hardest. I mean, he's yeah. there. The director basically has to have the most energy of everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's been it's been a luxury, and we've had the chorus so, so much. Yeah, we it's never nice. get that in New York. It's crazy. We had we had something that when I when I told people that they were like, oh, what did you have today? I was like, well, we had two sessions with the chorus. The next noise I heard was their phone dropping to the ground, <laughs> and then and then like be, them being resuscitated by the by the medics. It <clears throat> I've never heard of that. It's so I mean you have in, in a lot of companies you you have you know twenty five minutes. And then you know, three days later, you have fifteen minutes, yeah. and in the in the middle of it, they're you know they're learning all those breaks. It, yeah, exactly. So no, this has been this has been a, a four week, a very pleasurable four weeks. I'd like to say something about the chorus, which is that you know Marnie is living a life of deception throughout, mm. and her whole life is pretense. But it's also fear of being found out, of terror of being found out. And the chorus in all this is represents the terror of people knowing who you really are, the terror of the public discovering you, the terror of exposure. And throughout the opera, they, are, they express their suspicion of her, and they express the, the fear for, of being found out. That's what they do. They're very, very in, integral to the, whole, to, the, to the whole show. They're almost like a Greek chorus, yeah. don't you think? They're very much like, like that. That's, that's what I had in mind. Mm. Oh, it's incredible. Are, but they are like a Greek chorus, which is like a chorus of the public hmm. saying, well, we don't care about you. You've, you're the stars, but we're the public. We have our own opinion about it, um, which is as follows. And, and the chorus in this is, is, is like that. There's a great line in the show where, which is, I'm losing it right now, but nobody knows who you are, basically. And to me, the sense is we're, we're always performing. You know, we're, we're sort of a different person. That's what the line is. It's about who are you with your grandmother versus you know the boy on the street versus your, and and there's truth in that. We are always performing. We're always aware of who's listening and mm -hmm. and how we're listening to them. And 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 it, that's a, I think a really deep subject to go into. You know, mm -hmm. so Marnie's really all of us. Whoa. <laughs> Easy question. Is there going to be a live in HD from the Met? next year so that we can hear oh, this yeah. music which sounds yeah. absolutely wonderful we, have to, we don't decide those until later on so we're free we're free darling leading <laughs> 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 on from that do you record the opera it's this does the opera get gets uh it'll be broadcast on radio three The designers, um, when they're designing the production, they have both. You know, I wasn't thinking of it as a, a, as a sketch. I was thinking of it as a, the way the chorus works, the way the singers work, the way the people work. Well, I would say the gr we we start over again with a whole new group, but because of how wonderfully supportive ENO is for the creation of new work, the really hard part is making it for the first time. 
Once it exists, all the staging exists, the choreography, the whatever changes um, Nico's making to the score, whatever changes um, in the libretto Nick is doing, all of that stuff then exists. And putting it on to another company is much, much easier than starting from scratch. I think that there's, a, to an extent, that's true. But, but as with any, any, any work, that you're recreating with a different group, you will be flexible and there, there's a certain, and when you see the production, you'll understand there's, there is a kind of flexibility to it. But so this people is will one bring of the great frustrations with opera is that we have to do what the other cast did. I mean, I've been in lots of operas where like, you gotta go downstage left because blah, 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 mezzo did. And then you have to roll on the floor. Have you seen the video? I'm like, mm -hmm. do I really have to right. watch the video? Can we talk about, can we direct it? And it's happening all the time is that the directors go away and then assistants come and they literally are looking at a book. So it sometimes doesn't feel very creative. I mean, it's one of the problems with a lot of these productions that go for 30 years, you know? That's why they feel dusty in a way. Not only are they actually dusty, because they're probably dusty, but they're, like people are, are kind of are, are slotted in. And I'm sure you've heard about operas in Europe where people arrive and they don't even get a rehearsal on the stage. Right. You know, it's like boom, 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 go downstage, da, 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 and then do. So opera by numbers. Yeah. yeah. And but in, it, for something like this, I mean, Martin, you can probably speak speak to this more. But there, there's enough flexibility in the score where, so for me, I, I feel like this is going to be amazing the way we do it here. But I I fully welcome the next batch of people to interpret it differently. And and you know, we're we're changing. Do you want to sort of describe? Sorry. Detail. What we just. I mean, we we actually did do a pretty serious excision in the score today. So there was one part of the beginning of Act Two that was sort of troublesome in detail and getting the drama right, getting the music right, getting everything right. And if something's so troublesome, perhaps there's something deeper behind it that this maybe ought to go. And that decision was taken today. So there were 20, there are now 19 scenes. And you know, that's what part of the creative process. Is. I mean, all composers have done this in history. And it's, it's so rewarding to be involved in that part of the process. And it's, it's very brave. Composers hate cutting. You know, I, he spent months. You saw, you saw how quickly I did. Yes, but, <laughs> I mean, you do. It's, it, there's, a, there's a kind of, oh. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. No, I, mour I mourned it for about five seconds. In, in, um, but similarly, because again, we've all made, it, made this together, and it takes a long time to do that. But when, but when you, when the document bears all the work that we've done, when the document bears the traces of, you know, of things that things that we, you know, beats removed from Sasha's part, or from, you know, whole scenes removed, or li literally, you know changing a flute dynamic, all, all that stuff. So the next time it happens, the recipe is a lot clearer. Um, whereas, you know, the, the, the first time around, there's a lot of room for, for um, but, but again, no, no opera singer has ever taken on a role, I don't think, and not tried to bring something of herself to it. Even, even if, yeah, I mean, in the, uh, in, and, and every, every conductor of an opera um, brings some, you know, the, there, there are conductors who um, are really well known for interpreting Mozart in their own ways, and that and that's a great thing. And it doesn't it doesn't change how good the Mozart is. It just it just is means that the piece can bear the weight of a, a variety of interpretations. Well, I'm and sure you'd agree, Nico, that it's a very symbiotic relationship, isn't oh, it? Of course, because, yeah. You know, the writing is it's squiggles on a page until the performers sorry with respect, <laughs> till the performers make that 
that music into something that you can hear and see and feel, then you know we need each other, don't we? Yeah. I think. Can we all learn from every artist yeah. coming yeah. forward? Martin, will you go with it to the Met? No, you don't. So Absolutely refuse. <laughs> 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 I've, I've been to New York for a day. Uh, right, you're not I've no, I, they didn't ask. Right. And I'm busy anyway. <laughs> yeah. You have a day job, yes. I'm exactly. so not. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, one more yeah, a question there. Yes, we haven't heard anything about the visual aspects of the production yet, and I wonder if you could illuminate us a bit on that. It's being set up on stage right now. Yeah. <laughs> It will be a surprise to us. Visual. Visual. Yeah. I think there are some uh, there are posters, some, aren't there? Yes, the back, there are, back there there's um, some mood boards of costume concepts and I think some um, some pictures of the set. The, the basic idea was because there are so many scenes, it's unusual to have so many scenes and with uh, uh, like scenes with like 15 desks in a big office and then you go to a, a pub and then you're in a... Uh, some uh, country club, and then you're at the hunt, and then you're like at, playing cards in a little in someone's living room. Um, the the idea that the designers Julian Crouch um, and Mark Grimmer had was to create a, a a fluid template where a lot of different um, scenes can be projected in a combination of projection furniture and arrangement of panels that comes from the period, the, it's 1959-1960, from um, the films, like the Saul Bass, you know, film sequences, like op credit sequences of films you'd recognize, it, like Anatomy of a Murder, that kind of thing where it's like sort of like graphic and broken up, um, and advertising, advertising from that period, and um, like jazz album covers from the period. So there's a very, um, it's a very graphic kind of expressionistic feeling, but it feels very 1959. And Ariane Phillips, who's doing the costumes, likewise is using very, very bold silhouettes and very strong color to, um, to pull the principles away from the chorus and also to give you a real sense of that Period. I just did the video for the suicide scene, and I still have scratches on my on my wrist. And they put me in fifteen different wigs and costumes for fifteen different mug shots of mm -hmm. Marnie's past. And those, those will be used in the projections. Yeah. In the projections, yeah. Is that fifty-nine? Fifty-nine. Fifty-nine yeah. productions mm -hmm. who also did the Ameri amazing visuals on American in Paris, which is on. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sachi Pearl Fisher, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And two boys. And two boys, yeah. sorry. And my other friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Hedvig. And yeah, Hedvig. Judy. Yeah, yeah on Broadway. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the other creative person we haven't mentioned is, of course, you also have a choreographer. Um, yes, Lynn Page, who uh, I worked with for the first time on Funny Girl. Uh, she's worked here before. She did um, Medea, yeah. I think. Um, is that the only one? But she might have done something else here, too. She's done a lot of operas. Um, she's really inventive. And she found these 10 wonderful dancers who will, throughout, they will help us transition from scene to scene, but they'll also create shapes. And they represent kind of um, the male um, sort of um, malevolent, or at least from Marnie's perspective, this force of, of male, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Predator kind of energy throughout. So there's a lot of psychological complexity that is reflected through the movement of the piece. Um, time for one last question. Yeah, right at the front. Uh, if you're writing an essay, compare and contrast Lulu and Marnie. Oh, how interesting. The question is about comparing Lulu and Marnie. That's, that's for Paul. That's a Paul. That's a Paul. That's a Paul. That's a Paul. Yeah. Well, that's such an interesting yeah. question because, in a way, they're similar because they're both enigmas. Mm -hmm. Lulu is whoever people can project onto her, yeah. mm -hmm. and Marnie is whatever she can project onto herself. Actually, so that's mm -hmm. so that is so that is the difference. Yeah. But when I when I read your libretto for the first time, I thought melisande. It's a very melisande kind of thing, right? Where the first thing she says is "Don't touch me." He's yeah. like, "Well, who who hurt you? Everyone." Mm -hmm. um, so, so Lulu is appropriate, but I, I think you know opera is riddled with with this this type of inaccessible, uh, vague, aquatic, but also you know fundamentally quite hard um, characters. But in a way, Lulu doesn't have. I, I know the play. I don't know the opera so well, but I know the play very well. Lulu doesn't have such a conscious quest pilgrimage that she's going on. She is pushed from pillar to post yeah. by men, yeah. whereas Marnie is on her own direct, her own volition. She's mm. taking her own journey, which is very tangled and problematic, but she's the agent of her life in a way that Lulu isn't, that Lulu is so passive, as I know the play. I, I, I don't know if the opera is quite like that. It's similar. Mm. Um, on that it's note, wonderful. I think we have to wrap, but thank you so much to the panel, and please be here from November the 18th onwards. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.